Balance is a myth. And for years, I fought for balance and ended up wasting time and energy on false notions of perfection. After anxiety attacks, bouts with depression and health issues, I had to learn to flow with the inevitable imbalance. I learned that being perfectly imperfect was okay. Disrupting balance is for real women who are exhausted with fighting for balance. It is for you, your life, your experience, your truth, and all of the chaos in between. I am Hanifa Barnes, and I am disrupting balance by finding harmony in the imbalance of work, well-being, and the in-between. Find me, follow, and subscribe at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. Welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Balance podcast. I am so glad you joined me. Today, we have Suzanne Daniels. I mean, she epitomizes the phrase of the power of perspective. Growing up in apartheid South Africa, raising a special needs child who ends up attending college across the globe in the U.S., not seeing her for a year due to a global pandemic, and finally making her way to move to the U.S. to be with her child as she pursues her dream was quite the undertaking for Suzanne. Everything shifted. Her day-to-day, her job, her identity, her cultural collateral. And it may have seemed like things were falling out of place. But for Suzanne, things were actually falling into place as she has been able to find harmony in knowing that nothing is impossible. You don't want to miss this episode. And remember to stay tuned to the end to hear Suzanne's powerful disrupting balance statement. So, hey, Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad to have you and I can't wait to share your story. So let's jump right in, Suzanne, and tell us what is your story? Thanks, Anifa. It's wonderful being on the show. Okay, I'm a South African living in Los Angeles, supporting my daughter who wants to be an actress. The story behind that line is I arrived here in January um, 2021 having no idea what I was going to do just knowing that I needed to be here for my daughter um, there was going to be a ban on South Africa traveling to the US and it was going to be implemented at the end of January so I arrived smack bang on the 30th of January just in time um, And I have been finding my feet as a mom to a 22-year-old now, (laughs) blind young lady who wants to be an actress who's making her way in Los Angeles. And um, yes, and I've also tried to find my feet as to what what does that do for me as a mom, as a professional um, in in a country, in a foreign country. Is this your first time in the United States on Jan- in January 2021? Was that the first time you said foot or is the first time where you've had to actually live in the United States? I think it's it's the first time I've had to live in the United States. I've been coming to the United States as a tourist since 2014. Uh, also, Emma has been doing some actors camps here since then. So we, we used to spend your summer, our winter in Los Angeles. Uh, so three weeks at a time. But that's, but this is the longest. It's going on nine months now that I'm living in the U.S. 
Wow. And so tell me about back home, right? So what was your normal day-to-day with Emma back home and what was the thing, what was it like? And then talk about the shifts or the imbalance that happened as a result of the move and the transition. I think, well, Emma hasn't been at home since 2018. Um, She came to the U.S. and she's been living here. And our day-to-day living has been me traveling between the two countries, um, us spending a fair amount of time on FaceTime together because uh, I supported her virtually with her studies. Uh, because she's blind, I used to read the scripts to her, help her format her documents. So she would uh, use her voice-activated software on her phone and her computers and things like that. But she still needed uh, help with the formatting and stuff. So... While I had my work day, because of the nine-hour time difference, we'll always either be doing it very early in the morning or late at night, South African time. So I would then be helping her. So I always tease her that I've also gotten a degree in acting. As as frustrating as it sometimes would be, can you, as you can imagine, because sometimes I didn't really understand what the heck I was doing. Because uh, I'm a lawyer by profession, so some of these things, you know, the terminology and the way that you had to do it, it's like, I have no clue. But anyway, we got through it. So that was what my typical day was at. And I would, you know, have to deal with clients and things during the day. So when your daughter told you, I want to be an actress, and you mentioned your daughter is blind, and you've raised her so you're accustomed to her needs and how to support her. But when she says, I want to be an actress, and then whatever that conversation was about, I want to go to the U.S. or we need to go to the U.S., where did your mind go? Like, what were your thoughts around that? <laughs> well, well, let me, let me start at the beginning. Um, the one about, um, I want to be an actress, she was actually eight years old. And she actually didn't say, I want to be an actress. She said, I'm going to be an actress. And she told me this while I was sitting in my study in a very, you know, lawyers have like wood paneled studies. And I had one of those typical studies. And I was sitting there and my first thought was, no, you need a safe job. You need something like being a lawyer, you know. And I actually had to correct myself in that thought because I'm thinking, you're such a hypocrite, Suzanne. You're actually teaching your child she can be anything she wants to be. And here you're saying she must get a safe job. Yeah. Um, so I had to sort of take a, a step back. Uh, the very next day, she was actually going to perform in a school play. And she was going to play the principal who was retiring. So this was an eight-year-old. And the principal must have been around about 60, 63, 64, you know, that retirement age. And I watched my little girl perform, and I was quite mesmerized because I didn't actually see the eight-year-old. She had the wig she had, and what I saw was the principal. And I actually had to figure out, I actually asked afterwards, how did you do that? I was just in awe and I thought, that's what she needs to do. Um, She had already been doing drama and 
dance and things like that because I had tried to um, give her the opportunity to explore a lot of those things and very early on she was she was quite autistic so you know she she had already started but now it got serious um, and coming to the US was actually quite interesting I uh, a couple of years later <laughs> I was sitting down and I get this email that says um, it was one of those emails which were looking for children across the world from developed developed country and you know third world countries um, and they were wanting them to come to the US for an actors camp and they were going to choose 50 children across the world and we needed to audition so I sent in Emma's tape and I actually forgot about it. And about three weeks later, I get this email, congratulations, you've, your child's been chosen. And I was like, oh, my word, now I need to tell her. <laughs> and I mean, that time I was still in corporate law, so I was corporate uh, and I realized that I'm going to have to take a month off work to, to go to the U.S. now with my daughter. But that was fine. I just, you know, I said, okay, we're going to make this happen. So the first camp was actually 20, 2014. Um, we came to Los Angeles. She was one of the 50 kids. And, and I realized that... Um, She's serious about this because we went to see some casting directors and uh, agents and things like that. And they all said, well, it's wonderful. It, they would love to have Emma on the books, but it would be great if she were living in the U.S. And during this camp also, they talked about, uh, for parents, they talked about the training and, you know, what kind of things. And the New York Film Academy was one of the schools that they mentioned. And Emma actually once again said, I'm going to that school. And as luck would have it again, I saw the New York Film Academy was having auditions in Johannesburg. And I said to Emma, Emma, here's your chance to go. And then we went to that. And that was another three weeks of waiting. And then she got accepted. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I remember the uh, recruiter saying to me, your child's a great, a very good actress, um, but we'll make her great. And she actually then, you know, came. It was the only school she applied to. There was no debate about where she was going to go. And uh, she came here in 2018. How did you feel about that, right? Because you've been with your daughter the majority of her life, to, life at that point. You, it sounds like you came to the U.S. with her when she was doing her different um, conservatories or camps. So now at this point, she, she says, I am going to this school. She gets into the school. You re realize the commitment. So what is happening when you realize you have to send her off? It was quite intimidating because um, I realized that, you know, now I'm going to not only send her off to college, which is like normal for every parent, but I'm actually sending her literally across the world. 
Right. Um, we we had to work out that the original plan was for me to spend uh, six months of the year in Los Angeles with her and then go back to South Africa and then come back, um, you know. So, but it, it ended up being a little bit longer because of COVID. Um, but before COVID, we did that. So I would go, then there'd be a caregiver staying with her or one of the, my family members. My mom actually helped out for a while. I obviously had to uh, give up my job um, because prior to COVID, it wasn't remote working, was not. So I got into online working actually in, yes, in 2018. I also, you know, had to learn how to deal with Emma remotely as well. We didn't have all the answers. We really didn't. Um, all I knew is that this is what she wanted to do. Um, I had been supporting her from young age. Um, I'm a single mom, so it's not like we have any, you know, extended family or siblings to rely on. And whatever Emma was going to do, I would be there to support her. And we kind of figured it out as we went along, literally, you know, on a day-by-day basis. Hmm. So I guess I want to know about you then, because um, Emma seems like she is thriving. She's in this space that she had already claimed at eight years old. But what about you? You said you had to leave your job. So was your job for you a part of your identity? Like being a lawyer is like I know in the States, it's it's. Um, a recognized job. It's, you know, elevated in a lot of spaces. I'm a lawyer as well, so I, I totally get it. Um, but how was it for you? What was the challenge or the imbalance in having to make the decision that I have to leave my job? I think the issues for me is, you know, the big issue was what next? Um, because you sort of know as a parent, you have to support your child, you know, so that's a given. So what next? Um, and I must admit, it's taken me a long while and a couple of iterations to to move because I spent, like you said, lawyers are sort of elevated. Um, I was group counsel, so I had... 20 odd people reporting to me and you you know how you had the comfort of people doing things for you yep i know you know um, if you needed marketing you went to the marketing department if you needed you know you you had things done for you and i didn't realize the the transition from that corporatized environment into your own business and how well not just moving into your own business, being by yourself, but also doing it in a different country, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and also because I knew that uh, doing law would not be, or the traditional legal field will not be where I would end up because I have a South African law degree. I have South African law qualifications. So the U.S. is slightly different. And I really didn't want to go back to college and study again. 
So I was like, what does it look like for you? You know, as I, I started teasing, you know, I got, I'm going to be a Hollywood bomb. What does that mean for you? Because I might be 50 something, but I'm not sort of ready to retire. My brain is still working and yep. I have a lot of value to add. Um, it, it's really only if I've taken a couple of iterations. And I must say there, there was a period where I felt like all I did was cater to Emma's needs. It was very frustrating for me um, as a parent. And, you know, I want to say to other parents with special needs, do not feel guilty about that because it does happen. I've had it a couple of times in my in my life as a, as a mom to a child with special needs, but it does happen. Do not feel guilty. You sometimes feel that that's all you're doing, you know, and not, so, you know, coming to an alien environment where she had settled in and I was like feeling very frustrated that my sense of worth was determined by what Emma did. Um, so it, it was a bit of a role reversal. And obviously it's all in my head. The greatest, the greatest privilege that I have is that my daughter and I communicate very well. Yeah, you know, and we could sit down, and she could also. She's very mature. She's twenty-two, but she's very mature. She could also say, "Mom, but that's not what I'm expecting of you." You know, um, you just be, you just being mom, you know, mm -hmm. and doing things for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was one of the big shifts that I had to do. You know, with the big disruption that we we talk about is that I no longer had a child to look after. I actually had this young adult and I could actually look at exploring my own my own identity instead of, you know, just being Emma's mom. And I think once we started having those kinds of conversations, it got a lot easier, you know. Um, I was able to, I, I am going back into uh, supporting coaches, um, even though I'm not, you know, sort of doing strictly legal advice, I do the business strategy and help people through that. And I've found is that, you know, business law is not that different in the U.S. There are certain nuances, but I can have a gut feel and I can still be a sounding board for people. So that that has worked. And now that the world has opened up. Um, I'm finding that there are lots of international companies and global entrepreneurs. And, you know, I've worked in that arena. So my previous experience is not lost, uh, which is good. So I'm, you know, as a professional, I'm, I'm making my way in the world again, doing that. So that's sorting itself out. But uh, I think the hardest part of that is not really the professional life. It's the um, the day-to-day -day life that gets, you know, tricky because you drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> you know, so that's very, very disorientating. Um, and also, I think, you know, simple things like grocery shopping. Um, things are so much bigger and there's so much more variety yeah, I, I was actually joking with a friend of mine and saying, you know, I just want a prop, I just want mayonnaise. I don't want 
I want mayonnaise. Can somebody just give me good old mayonnaise? Not yeah. chipotle mayonnaise. This, I don't want to go and stand there. It takes me a good 15 minutes to choose mayonnaise. It's like a sense of, you have to have a sense of humor for for the kinds of things. Because everything here is bigger. Um, you know, California is the size of South Africa. But the people are, there are just more, so much more people here. And I think so, from that perspective, it, it, it was huge for me in terms of, you know, st uh, settling in. And the sense of community, um, it's starting to build that again. Did you, you mentioned a little earlier about Emma actually saying to you something to the effect of, you just have to be mom. Did you feel like that was something like a form of permission for you or did it kind of really influence your perspective on this experience? You know, because I do feel like our children, they really speak power into us, right? Because as, as parents or especially mothers, we create an identity based on these expectations. I'm supposed to be this way. I'm a mother. Do you feel like Emma's statement or kind of her being the young adult that you mentioned kind of freed you from that? I think it freed me in some sense because I could relax into just navigating a new form of being mom, you know, um, and realizing that in the period that we've been apart, she'd actually grown more independent. So as strange as it may have seemed, uh, COVID was a good thing for us, you know, in terms of, um, and I thought I shouldn't see it as a curse. That was the other big perspective for me is because what happened was all that I've taught her, you know, came to fruition. Exactly. Wow. So that was wonderful. But it took me a while to realize it because like you say, we stuck in that expectation of this is how a mom behaves. Um, and when she said that to me, I was like, that actually makes sense. You know, I have to step back and just let her be. Um, she's kind of stepped into this new, this new life. And um, I think that's been a big lesson for me is stop stressing about, you know, those kinds of things. She's, she's finding a way in the world. Um, you're finding your way in the, in a new world. So just take it one day at a time. I mean, it's, it's, it is a huge, well, for me, I think it's, it's a bigger transition because I'm not, I'm not young. <laughs> and I'm set in my ways, I think. But if anything, it has taught me that, you know, you can reset. Um, and I quite, I'm getting used to the daily, the daily life, you know, and, and I'm able to tease now and say, ah, me becoming American, I'm actually embracing it instead of, you know, like yeah. I'm only going to be here for this period of time. Yeah. And when I hear you say that, I hear you speak to some of the tenets of disrupting balance. You said you're embracing it, right? So this this state of being is very different from what you've been accustomed to for the majority of your life. 
but you've chosen to embrace it. The, the, the imbalance of driving on the wrong side of the road, so many options. I mean, and even your daughter's experiences, but you are embracing it, which I think really, really bring home, brings home and underscores what disrupting balance is, you know? And I love that you know, when you describe Emma now, it sounds like she has been a teacher for you in a sense, right? Well, that's right. Because some, I mean, even from, from, a, from babyhood, you know, um, it's, it's been interesting because she's always been such an old soul. And she's got, she's also got different perspectives and insights. Um, and I value that in terms of, you know, it's it's it sounds weird, but someone who can't see has a different kind of vision and intuition to what we sometimes pick up. And I always, you know, sort of listen when she speaks because mm-hmm. um, she kind of has an interesting perspective for a young person. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. And so how long do you think you know, you're here or is it just kind of you're going with the flow of things because it sounds like you're finding yourself in your profession. So how long do you think this is going to go for you? I mean, you're becoming accustomed. You're almost totally American. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it really depends on Emma's, uh, Emma's next steps. We definitely, yeah, for the, for the next for the reasonably foreseeable future. She's just graduated. Um, she's just gotten her work authorization. Congrats. Um, thank you. So this is going to be home for a while. I think I'm also beginning, yeah, as you can say, I'm beginning to enjoy being in a different country and learning different things. Yeah. And what do you think in this whole experience, like with being here, knowing from the point when Emma got accepted into the academy, and she had to venture across the globe, essentially. And you have these experiences. What do you think was one of your biggest takeaways? Like something that impacted you and encourages you and inspires you moving forward? Was there a moment or a thought for you? Nothing is impossible is what what sort of resonates with me all the time. Mm. You know, nothing's impossible. If you look at if you look at the the life that that we love. I mean, I grew up in apartheid South Africa. So um for me being in Hollywood right now is like that would have if you told me this that I'd be loving sort of a stone's throw away from the Disney studios 20, 30 years ago, I'd have told you you were joking, you know. And now these buildings are in literally in my backyard. Don't, and as a parent, it's a, don't discount your child's dreams, you know, and just sort of, it. it's, it's not, and it's not easy to do that, you know, because you always want to protect your children and like like I said, I come from a very different background, so these things were not sort of, you know, it's not like we had the American dream, you know. We weren't taught that's not part of our 
culture, we were taught, I was taught differently, but I had to make those shifts. And, and that's why your uh, podcast resonates with me because my life has been disrupted a couple of times along the way, you know, and then you always have to find your feet. So for me, it's nothing's impossible. Um, it's just the way that you look at the, you know, the situation. I, I just feel so inspired. I'm just listening to you, especially the part about, you know, your children's dreams, because I have four children. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I know. Let's pause for that for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I hear it, I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But they have big dreams and we raise them to have big dreams. But like you said, it's hard sometimes when they say, I'm going to do this. And you want to say, wait a minute, what about the safe job? But you have to take a step back and allow them kind of that space to, to create that within kind of, I guess, a protected type of process. You still want to protect them, but you still want to give them that space. So I think that's very important, Anifa, that, that that's kind of balance between protection and giving them the space. I think, in the, and I think I, you know, so there were obviously times in my parenting that I struggle with that. Um, and times in my own life where you struggle because you wanted to do the safe thing and the right thing. And as a single mom, I sometimes, you know, wanted to do what was the safe thing because I needed an income. I was like, how am I going to pay for these things? What am I going to do? You know, the exchange rate is terrible. Um, and that's why I say, you know, deal with nothing is impossible is my is my new um, mantra because, you know, here I am making my way. And yet when the, when the time came to make the decision, it actually wasn't that hard. You know, I literally got on a plane with two suitcases. And I'm glad I did that because otherwise Emma and I would have still been apart. You know, we'd already spent a year apart because of COVID restrictions. And so it was, it was interesting. I am Suzanne Daniels and I am disrupting balance by creating a life that honors my need to thrive, not just survive. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I truly, truly appreciate you and know that I am working to build a community of balance disruptors. Those are women who are working to find harmony in the imbalance of work well-being and the in-between. And if you're interested in joining, go to www.disruptingbalance.com and you'll get occasional emails and messages around health, harmony, and mindset to get you through the imbalance of your day. You can also follow me on social media at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. Or if there is a particular topic you want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a message at info at disruptingbalance.com. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It truly helps us to grow and move forward and disrupt balance. Talk soon.